just, I think it was last week, Savannah, Guthrie and Hoda, you were all filming promos together. So what was that reunion like? Oh my gosh. I mean, every time you see her, I've had people tell me like, oh, I want a hug from Hoda. Her authenticity came before someone branded it. Which is the best kind of brand, right? It's got to come from like who you uniquely are. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there. And plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, we are pushing through in October, which means we are celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month. Check us out at leadwithyourbrand.com slash Latinx to get our full Latinx Voices Collection, featuring amazing executives, leaders, and changemakers, all who identify as members of the Hispanic or Latinx community. Check out episodes featuring guests like Luis Vega, the president of Dow North America. Lauren Lopez, the Senior Vice President of Talent at the New York Times, and Wilson Cruz, the star of Star Trek Discovery on Paramount+. And today, I'm proud to feature a brand new conversation with Lucy Bustamante, a four-time Emmy Award-winning news anchor and journalist for NBC and Telemundo in Philadelphia. But before we get to Lucy, let's talk a little bit about your brand. Well, since it's October, it's not only Hispanic Heritage Month, it's also the month that Apple releases the new iPhone. So you guessed it, I got a new iPhone, and yes, I waited in line. Now, here's the thing. Every time I talk lead with your brand in front of a big convention or conference audience or at a corporation, I always kick off asking people what their favorite brand is, and by far and away, Apple is consistently the number one favorite brand. And when I go out and talk to people in the audience, they always tell me that they are basically a walking Apple store because they have iPhones and Apple Watches and AirPods and iPads and MacBook Pros and the whole family there. And I just think of my own experience because the very first Apple product I ever had was back in 1984 when my mom bought the 
Apple IIc computer. Now, I knew that I was one of the cool kids on the block when my mom pulled up in her burgundy Caprice Classic station wagon, and she had to open that big old trunk on the back of the station wagon, right? Because the box for the Apple IIc computer was huge. And it was a huge, glossy white box with that Apple logo at the time it used to be in the rainbow there. And all of the kids were looking and they all knew that we had just got an Apple computer. You see, even back then, almost 40 years ago, packaging on the Apple products told you exactly what it was all about. Now, I will tell you this. My mom did not buy an Apple computer for us kids because she thought it was so cool and because she loved the box, right? At the end of the day, she really got it because she was an educator. And as an educator, as a teacher at LA Unified School District for over 40 years, Apple had made big investments in education, which mattered to my mom. In fact, Apple was really clear that they were going to focus on some really core audiences back then, right? They were going to focus on education and they were going to focus on all of those folks that needed Apple products to produce digital artwork and editing and movie type of things at the time. You see, what Apple knew back then is they couldn't try and be something to everyone, so they needed to focus on targeting their audience. Now, as they became successful, they were able to build out that audience to be broader, but at the same time, even today, they are very clear on who it is that they serve and who might not actually be into an Apple product. But going back to my mom, one of the key reasons why she got that computer was that it was simple. In fact, when we opened that box, there were only four things in it. There was a monitor, a CPU, an electrical power cord, and a cord to connect the monitor to the CPU. We could plug it all in and we could flip the switch because it was the first personal computing device that came with basic pre-loaded on the computer. We didn't have to get all of these floppy disks and load it. We could plug it into the wall, and in less than five minutes, we could flip the switch, and we were on, and we were computing, and we were playing. And when I think of it today, my mom is in her late 70s now, and I helped her with her iPhone, and I was able to take her old iPhone with her new iPhone and scan the code and upload everything from the cloud cloud because 40 years later, even though it's not about wires that plug into the wall, it is still about how they make everything super simple and super connected. Quite simply, that's the brand value of Apple. They make things super easy, very connected, and it still looks cool. And you know what? In a world where brick-and-mortar stores around the world are closing, we sit around and go to malls that are empty, people are willing to wait in line at a brick-and-mortar Apple store to get a new iPhone. In fact, when I went to that iPhone store in downtown Los Angeles, which, by the way, they converted an old antique theater into a magnificent Apple store, it actually had a queue like I was at a theme park. 
but that's what it's all about. In your career, do you have a brand that is like Apple, where people are willing to wait in line? Because not only are you packaged in a way that adds value, but the way that you deliver and the experience people have with you is adding value to their life. Well, I am super excited about today's guest. It is Lucy Bustamante, who is a four-time Emmy Award-winning news anchor and journalist for NBC and Telemundo Philadelphia. Now, in conjunction with NBC News, Lucy created the American Vets Reporting Series, where she and other journalists around the country are covering issues impacting veterans in the States and abroad. In November of 2022, she co-hosted and co-produced American Vets Beyond the Battlefield, a NBC News Now Veterans Day streaming special that highlighted the issues of our veterans with PTSD. Prior to joining NBC, Lucy was at WVEC-TV in Norfolk, Virginia. At the same time, she was serving as news anchor for La Selecta 103.3 at WVXX-FM, a Spanish-language radio station. Prior to that, she served as an evening anchor for WWL-TV in New Orleans, where she and her co-workers worked three months straight covering the devastation post-Hurricane Katrina for which she won a Peabody Award. In addition to her Emmys, Lucy is a telly winner and has received several Associated Press Awards and three regional Edward R. Murrow Awards. We'll be back in just a few moments with Lucy Bustamante. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. All right, we are back. I have a fabulous guest and friend with me today. It is anchor and journalist from NBC Telemundo, uh, Philadelphia. It is Lucy Bustamante. Lucy, what is going on? Jason, good to see you. Thank you so much for doing this. It's, um, we are currently at um, the NBCU Academy um, event for Military Veterans in Journalism Conference. This is our partner organization in the tapestry that is our DEI uh, program. And um, it's just, a, it's an honor to be here. I'm a military spouse um, and also um, co-producer of American Vets, which is a series that we started last Veterans Day that just focuses on the issues that um, plague and also inspire the veteran community. And, you know, after 20 years of war and uh, so many people that signed up because of 9-11 and now their lives are totally different, right? After, yeah. after for all these years. So this is um, part of our work that we do as journalists as we visit all these different conventions where these um, stories are really important to tell in this particular identity space. Yes. And of course, Lucy, you and I just met a couple weeks ago speaking at Comcast's internal military development summit that was all for employees who are military veterans or active military and reserves and uh, and, and families. So it's so great to see you. Now- <laughs> We're awesome. 
Lucy, talk to me. I know that you are constantly out in the community as a journalist, right? Mm -hmm. How is it that you introduce who you are and what it is that you do when you first meet people? Sure. Well, it depends on the on the situation, right? I mean, the 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 sheer nature of our job is so. Um, sometimes I'm meeting them as an MC. Sometimes I'm meeting them as the school speaker for the second graders. Um, so there's always, you know, if it's a professional space, uh, it's always like, "Hi, I'm Lucy from NBC," or depending on the age, or "Hi, I'm the lady on TV. Do you watch Channel?" 10? <laughs> You know, or if it's a uh, YouTube or Instagram, or I see you on my mom's Instagram feed, you know? So it's really interesting to kind of like see in which rooms we show up in and what we choose first, depending on who's in our audience. Right. Yeah. So, um, but if it's as a journalist that I'm usually meeting people either on, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the hardest days of their lives or one of the most inspirational, happiest days of their lives. Mm. Uh, so how you approach is just as important as what you say about yourself. And you really just have to, like you, like you retaught us when we were at um, MilDev, you were explaining to like really read body language and to really see how people communicate with more than just their, their words. Right. And yeah. so that really resonates with what, what I do for a living and, and how I bring myself into someone else's space. Yeah. And so I love Lucy that you put that, like when you're working, you meet people either on like the worst day of their life or one of the best days of their life. Right. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. when you think back over your career as a journalist, what have mm -hmm. been some of the, you know, most rewarding and, or maybe those are even sometimes the most difficult moments in the type of work that you do? Yeah. Yeah. It runs the gamut, right? Um, when you think back on covering, like I'm from New Orleans. My parents migrated from Cuba. Um, well, my mother, God bless her, she left Spain as an 18-year-old because of poverty and the war, um, you know, in Spain with Franco. She migrated to Cuba, then had to migrate again <laughs> after she met my father and had my brother and sister in Cuba. So they were political refugees. Um, the archdiocese in New Orleans picked them up, which is why they settled there. They had mm what people now know as an anchor family member, which was my mother's brother who migrated before them. And so I'm a proud New Orleanian and also Cubana and half Española. <laughs> you know, I don't talk because <laughs> my Cuban side raised me. So I don't want a Cubana. But it's just very interesting because when you grow up like in New Orleans, you know, like my, I identify as a New Orleanian so strongly. And then um, when I married the military, you know, um, my husband was Navy. And then it was like the Navy special ops life was so identifying because of our experiences. Right. So um, each chapter of life has been hard and rewarding. Hurricane Katrina, to get back to your original question, Jason, Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. Um Seeing the international news uh, descend upon my hometown as I'm a local reporter and um, kind of helping like these big wigs understand my hometown and like explaining why we're not okay. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. uh, it, we didn't get federal assistance until four days after the storm hit. And so like seeing literally like people's bodies float down as you're, you know, covering this. I mean, we had so many people so many people died, 1800 people died in Katrina. Yeah. And I experienced that as a, as a 24 year old journalist, you know, I'm a 43 year old woman now with four kids and post-military life, you know? So, um, telling the, the stories of the people that 
the world thought that they did, a, like leaders thought that they did a good job or a good enough job, or maybe they admitted their mistakes, but they have the privilege of getting on a plane and going someplace else away from the issues while the rest of us lived in it, you know? And it was very powerful to be a journalist and a hurricane survivor, mm. yeah. you know? It, a lot of times we cover stuff that doesn't impact us. And so I think the media has changed in the sense of like identity has become such a huge part of the population. And so using that well as a skill um, in your reporting and not as a, oh, well, this is why I'm special and why I should be here. You know, you really have to like channel these things well so that it keeps you ethical yeah. with integrity and using it for others, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and that's what we're trying to do with the military space because the other thing that's been impactful was being a reporter in Norfolk, Virginia and being an anchor in Norfolk, Virginia, where I had to recuse myself from military reporting because my husband was a Navy SEAL for 14 years and he was actively deployed. And we kind of had this agreement of, um, you know, if anything ever happens to you, don't let me find out through my newsroom. <laughs> you oh know, it's very emotional. It's very emotional. And um, so we had like this agreement where it's like he would call me and hang up <laughs> or say something. Uh, or, and, or the command psychologist would call and say, hey, it's all good. You know, we had like our cold language, right? Yeah. And so that's what happened. Like, um, we had a big scare. It was a friend of his. It wasn't him. They were together. And um, he was okay. And, um, and so many weren't. And so a lot of the work that we're doing now is just how to help them tell those stories yeah. of how, um, how, to, how to be represented in the media cycle beyond the political infighting that you see over the military, over taxpayer funding, over Ukraine, over Russia, over, you know, you pick your conflict. How do you help this community tell its own stories? So how do you have them overcome their secret service equals professional mentality mm. and actually join these editorial tables so that they can be part of how we're telling their stories so that they're not over-politicized? Yeah. So, really just, um, you know, highs and lows all the time. And it's really just about staying in love with the craft and finding others that know how to do it well and, and for good reasons, right? Yeah. And now when you look back over your career as a journalist, what have been some of those big breakthrough moments that helped you to get to where you are today? Mm, meeting really good people along the way that had similar um, end games, if you will. And also, um, you know, I worked for a newsroom. My first, um, my first newsroom ever was the one that uh, launched Hoda Copy, mm. uh, and the sisterhood of really good women continues. And the other woman of color that was on the staff at that time was Robin Roberts's sister, Sally Ann Roberts. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And so they're all from WWL TV in New Orleans, and um, and they. And when I came in as an intern, they were like, oh, you know, you're Latina. Nobody in the newsroom speaks Spanish. I'm like, really? Like, not on air. I'm like, oh, okay. And so immediately it was like, hey, this family is from Honduras because New Orleans has a very big Honduran population. Um, it's the largest Honduran population outside of Honduras is in yeah. New Orleans. And so whenever a tragedy would happen with the Honduran population or anything, they would send me to go interview. But what they didn't understand is that, like, you know, Cuban is not Honduran, right? Yeah certain comfort that we have of like hearing our Spanish. Right. Mm, yeah. And so, um, so, you know, but, but that was still really progressive. That was 1990, I don't know, six, seven, something like that. 97, I think. And so, um, just the acknowledgement, you know, their boss was this, um, white man, Phil Johnson, 
um, that understood the importance of having women in high-ranking positions and diverse positions um, in the newsroom back then, before it was ever a thing that we talk about so openly now. Um, and so being raised by people like that, uh, just being led into the door by people like that, and then just kind of had a, a career guardian angel, <laughs> yeah. you know, that we're all kind of like looking out for one another and setting that as the standard for how to continue making it a better and a healthy place for underrepresented people. And then meeting um, a great lady, who I would love for you to meet her name's Christina Boato. She's at um, NBC News Network. She's director of partnerships between the owned and operated stations in the network. And when I pitched this idea to her, she's like, this is a great idea of expanding, you know, military coverage and and just getting, you know, NBC uh, vet to be like a a brand, if you will. Right. Yeah. Black, with NBC Latino, NBC out, and eventually getting to the point where we can create NBC vet or NBC, whatever they want to call it. That's way above my pay grade. But like just having more of a conversation about including vets in our newsrooms for this particular um, purpose uh, to, to represent them accurately. And Christina's been meeting her has been one of the pe- one of the moments where I would consider a breakthrough because we've been able to reach so many journalists. Um, mm. uh, Purple Heart recipient slash um, senior producer for NBC News Medical Unit co-moderate uh, this panel with me today. Yeah. And it's the first time he's moderated something. And I said, like, why is this the first time you've moderated something? Like your voice has been so loud. Um, you know, for so many reasons for so long. And they're like, well, we just didn't know. We didn't know that he did that, yeah. you know? So that's been a breakthrough. And of course, anytime a journalist becomes an anchor, that's always going to be a breakthrough. Your pay changes, your lifestyle changes. You learn how to put better makeup on. You learn how to put better hair on. <laughs> All the important things in life, right? Quality of life, right? And then another breakthrough is just finding that boss that says, I see it's hard right now for you. What can I do to help? Yeah. So every time boy. And when I almost turned in my resignation, he's like, no, I'm not taking it. You know, this is, uh, this is something we're going to hang out together and get through this deployment. And if you need to quit and you quit, but we don't have to do that right now. Yeah. So just being allowed to have my career continue as a military spouse is an anomaly. Yeah. anomaly. Yeah. Now with the military spouse act of 2023, that just got signed as an executive order in January, actually no June. Um, we're only a few months in to having mm. my situation, like the situation of so many others, be a protected situation, a federally yes. pro- federally incentivized situation where they will give tax breaks to employers that hire people like me, mm. that we're no longer the fabric of our hometown. We've all left our hometowns or yeah. of, not from New Orleans just anymore. I'm from the military, <laughs> yeah. you know? So it's just been, so yeah, quite a few breakthroughs, but um, it's all about the, the the good people that you meet along the way. Talk to me about what did you do or what did it take to actually become an anchor? Because there's journalists out there that like never reach that level. Yeah, I think it matters um, having early conversations too. And you can't sound like you're reading from a teleprompter. Mm. Um, and what I did before I knew what I was doing is that I joined my high school speech and debate club, ah. you know, the nerd tribe, you know, like that was just whatever. That's what we did. Drama club. I loved all of that. And so, um, I think the, the earlier, earlier in life you learn any skill, um, the more time you have, uh, to have dominance over those skills mm. and very lucky to meet the right people, 
um, at different stages of life, really. But, you know, that early, um, early steps into public speaking and just kind of learning how to recover from your own mistakes at a, as a young child um, and to get over yourself, really, like you learn to get over yourself. Like you can either continue punishing yourself for your mistake or you can forgive yourself quickly and move on. You also talked a little bit about like finding the right manager and how important that's been in your career. What advice do you have for people to find that manager when you're interviewing, like you've got to be looking for certain things. What do you recommend? Pull it out. The second that you feel the person is a good guy, bad guy, honor that, honor that, honor that, and then investigate those feelings. Um, Mm. You know, you really have to honor that. Um, we, because like in these high performance, high stakes jobs, you have a lot of personalities yeah. and you have a lot of, um, you know, you have a lot of narcissistic personalities too, by the way. Um, but you really have to honor the, the, the emotions when you sit in a room um, to, to get the feel of, did this person rise because of good and this person rise because of bad? And am I in alignment with their values? Am I in alignment with their brand? Am I in alignment? You know, you may find that their brand doesn't match what your gut is telling you mm. in that room. You got to trust it. You have yeah. to, especially with journalists, because we're truth seekers, right? We're truth seekers. And so you really have to, you really have to align with that. Then I would say, um, go into the room with information. Mm. Don't ever sit in a room without some level of information. Um, and that's just so you can ask good questions. That's it. That's it. Good questions. Show them that you, that you, uh, cared enough to learn. Um, good people reciprocate, you know, finds good, bad, finds bad. So prepare yourself well, so that the universe can reward you with the same. And, um, and you just really have to believe that you're going to, at one point, get out of it what you put in. Mm. So, yeah. mm. And now, how did you get into journalism in the first place? I mean, what did you want to be when you were a kid? So, I don't, I have to learn more about you um, in this way, in the Latino side of life, but with the Cuban migrant story, um, part of the soothing side of his trauma my father would do he just passed a year ago god bless it he was the kindest mm. man um and so he uh he would watch the news like his life depended on it mm. and uh i think a lot of it was like political trauma like you have to know what's going on you have to know you have to know what congress is doing and he would always say like this country's so special like here you can save things without getting punished and then you know and he was also a prisoner prisoner of castro right prisoner yeah. of Castro. And so, um, when we've seen people's traumas really come out in, uh, political theaters, right? Like we've seen, we talked about this, Jason, like the pandering that happens, but also the connections that can happen. And so mm. the news was always very revered in my home growing up. And then it was kind of a natural matchup. It was like speech and debate, you know, you know, you can get paid for this. And, oh, I actually happened to watch the news as a 16-year-old kid because it was never off. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, who knows what I'll do in chapter two. I don't really know what I'll do in chapter two, but um, I, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I, I never really had uh, 
another curiosity that yelled at me as uh, loudly as this one did. And speaking of good people, you talked about, you know, having a great early role model like Hoda Kotb. And I know just, I think it was last week, Savannah, Guthrie, and Hoda, you were all filming promos together. So what was that reunion like? Oh my gosh. I mean, every time you see her, I've had people tell me like, oh, I want a hug from Hoda. Her authenticity came before someone branded it. Which is the best kind of brand, right? It's got to come from like who you uniquely are, not we focus grouped this, you know, so here's your brand, right? Exactly. Precisely. And that, and that's exactly it. So that, you know, that reunion, like, so that reunion happened because of a, of a today's show morning show collaboration that actually she's right next to me. She's the person who organized it. It's literally right next to me. And so, um, it was done to co-promote, right? Yeah. So promote one another. Um, but she's been doing that with young journalists since the moment I met her. She's been yeah. cobra and leveling people up to her level. And so um, those reunions are always nice with authentic people, especially those who can remain authentic through high stakes jobs and high stakes employers like NBC and such forward facing um, jobs like the one that she has, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, it all starts with the Today Show, right? Um <laughs> So, so speaking of brands, let's talk a little bit about your brand as, you know, both a journalist and a human <laughs> being. Um, Lucy, give me three words that you would use to describe brand Lucy Bustamante. Okay, I pulled out my notes. Ah. <laughs> what was it? All right, one was versatile, mm. reliable, mm. not necessarily in this order. It's just like the order that I wrote it in. Um, Let's see, versatile, reliable, and, um, you know, an an advocate's a strong word because with a journalist, you taught me I I was living in an identity crisis, by the way. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But the, uh, you know, the the authentic side of things is a lot of these words, Jason, have been so overused that I love what you said about like, you know, no, really like supersize that. Like, what is that? mean what does versatile mean and it's like the ability to pivot you know like and to and to not be thrown off track um because someone has asked you to switch your you know switch your uh your focus right yeah and so versatility reliability and authenticity you know and and i and that was something you know i wrote down those three words for my first time ever i'd never done that before yeah and and so talk to me you know, as a journalist, what does it look like on you, Lucy, to be versatile? Like, how does that show up as something that you're known for? Okay, so um, it, the versa, so that's where reliability slips into that, right? Yeah. It's oh my god, you know, the gas plant just blew up in Philadelphia, which ha- happened. Can you go on set and talk about it? It's like. I know nothing about that cast plant that just blew up in Philadelphia, but I know what questions to ask in a disaster. Yeah. And to go on the set and first um, describe the level of safety and what do we know from emergency responders as to whether you need to close your windows, leave, you know, like that's it's safety first, right? And so knowing what to say in high stakes situations. Um, you have to be versatile so that you can be on point in really yeah. high situations like that. Yeah. 
And I mean, I guess at its core, you're ridiculously versatile because you are, you're someone that reports in English and Spanish, right? And for, uh, you know, two different media brands there. Right. That's right. That's a real gift, Jason, because, um, you know, I'll say this, it's a blessing and a curse because you go from being like the Spanish speaker in your newsroom, right? Where the brand is not about this bicultural media group, right? Which is so, it's, it's a gift, like I said. Um, so you're in your newsroom before that where it was like, oh, you're the Spanish speaker, go interview the Spanish speaking family. Mm. But now we're sharing information to both populations. And so to get the translation of what this piece of information means to both audiences is very important. And what does that look like in the newsroom? Like, how do you have those conversations at the editorial table, especially yeah. with grappling, whether to call them illegal or call them migrants or call them undocumented? Yeah. How do you do that with a journalist that was born and raised in Ohio and the one whose father came into uh, Rio Grande and she's from, her mother's from Venezuela. Like, how do you have that conversation? So you really do mm. have to, um, you know, arm yourself with a lot of uh, sensitivity <laughs> and to be able to withstand being in such a versatile environment. Yeah. And now mm -hmm. you said versatile, reliable, authentic. Have mm -hmm. those always been sort of signatures or hallmarks of your brand or has it evolved over time for you? Can I tell you that this whole brand thing is a new conversation for me? Yeah. Altogether. Never seen it. That's why I'm literally like, hey, Jason, let's talk. You need to teach me. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I think this is where um, some people are really good at focusing on what they're trying to achieve through that lens, mm. and that's very powerful because that gives the person on the receiving end a shortcut to what both parties have in it for them. And so, I think when you're scattered the way I am. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, right? These are all new thoughts and new concepts for me. Um, you you kind of have to do a little bit of searching, right? And just kind of saying like, okay, well, what's my focus for this? Yeah. You know, what's the brand for this? And I love what you said, like, don't just be coffee, be Starbucks, you know? <laughs> but it's, again, am I the Starbucks gift card today? <laughs> or am I the Starbucks, <laughs> you know? Um, am I the Starbucks, um, you know, seating area? <laughs> Why am I using Starbucks today? You know? Yeah. And so that kind of, um, but you know, overall that that's a place you can go to just kind of be, mm. yeah. right? Like that's overall. And, um, so I don't know, I, I, I can't answer that yet because I haven't arrived at it just yet. <laughs> yeah. Now, Lucy, you are a storyteller, right? As a journalist by trade. Right. What advice would you have for people that, you know, are not necessarily journalists, but how, mm -hmm. how would you advise other people to kind of best tell their own story? Oh man. So this answer has changed because of the way technology changed. Um, I think as soon as someone is of age enough, safe enough um, to start telling their own stories, use it, use these mediums. I mean, what a gift to be able to introduce yourself to the world um, in the way that we can. And yeah. we're seeing, Jason, like the, you know, I'm 43 years old, been doing this job for 20 something years. And I don't have, I have so much more content out there than the 25 year old does. But the 25 year old has like 500,000 followers. <laughs> so <laughs> experience has much more reach 
Mm. So it's less than mine. And so I, I tell journalists now or aspiring journalists now, like, you know, stop seeing, don't miss the boat. Stop missing the boat because it's a pain in the arse to keep up with all these platforms. Can't stand it. It's not natural to me. I hate it. I hate it. But it's, I have to evolve because that's where my job can be best done right now. Yeah. And I, so I would say um, get your social media product in front of um, high level executives and any opportunity you can go to the conferences, uh, meet the people that have, um, you know, the, the influence in the spaces that you want to be in and just, you know, keep in touch with your mentors, take care of them, help, you know, teach, teach your mentors, um, what they're going to have to learn, um, so that they can continue evolving as well. Cause we're, we're in that stage now too, right? We're like, I turned to my 20 something year old coworker and I say, Hey, show me about this. Like, show me the editing thing on Instagram. That's new now that mimics Snapchat, you know, like these things are not, um, they're not taught to us yet. Yeah. Um, they will be, but they're not, it's not part of like the journalist uh, toolkit teaching, you know, in, in our workplaces just yet. Yeah. One of the questions I had for you that I didn't want to take up the, the airtime of the people that you were talking to was, you know, how do you advise the brands to recover from the people who try to like damage them or if they messed up, right? Like, how do you teach them to recover? Because the way I tell people to recover when they fib on the anchor desk is, you know, so what? That was then. This is now what you learned. Stop. Don't feed the fear. Stop feeding the fear. You yeah. know, like what about you? It's about what, what are you going to serve them with next? And the less you worry about yourself, the more you can exist in this high vibe space to just do your job. Just, you know, it's never been about you. Like to use your skills, do your job, tell your stories. So that's what, that's how I tell them. But how do you tell brands to recover from the bad stuff? Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting because I always go back to sort of what you're talking about, you know, doing drama in high school and all of those things is, you know, the best brands, like, they acknowledge that something didn't happen the way they wanted, but then they really focus on moving forward, right? Mm -hmm. So there's like an acknowledge and move forward. I think it's kind of like when we're on air, if like your mic pack drops like on the floor and you pretend that it didn't happen. Like the whole audience is like, there's a mic pack on the floor, right? Or like, why is there an IFB hanging out of somebody's ear or what, whatever, right? When you're kind of like, well, there goes my mic pack and you throw it back in. It's like, there's an acknowledgement and a move forward, That's right? And so I think the same thing happens on that bigger level, right? It's like, we're all humans. We're not robots. Like we all have bad days. So do we acknowledge like, Hey, that's not the way I wanted to show up. I'm sorry. And then get back on the brand that we want to have. Right. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Now, Lucy, a couple of quick questions to close us out. Um, mm -hmm. We've been talking about your brand. What is your favorite brand as a consumer? What can't you live without? Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> it solves all my last minute problems and shipped. <laughs> it look like so prepared it makes me feel so prepared it's like i got it it's okay they deliver at 11 p.m <laughs> and now i know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago um but if you were a type of car what type of car would you be so before kids i always loved and, and i eventually got the mercedes sedan the the, the c-class and it was slick and it was this very simple like bright black color um, you know, uh, it was, it was so smooth and it would, you know, pivot on the dime when you would turn it, like just 
awesome turning radius, and but it was just so smooth and um, and I just loved that car. And so I, I like how you know understated it was. It wasn't a showy Benz, but it was still very you know it was still very um, you knew it was there, but it yeah. didn't hold space right. It was yeah. just very, and I like that, like you know, very slick presence, very you know, sophisticated presence um, that could do things. So mm-hmm. I would feel that. But you can't have four kids like I do and not really be obsessed with the Honda Odyssey. <laughs> like, I can't ever go back to anything that isn't that sensible. Like, that is the first person who invents a beautiful minivan wins the wave. <laughs> and finally, Lucy, what's the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners? Mm, evolve. Mm. Evolve. It will never be what you started with. It mm. won't. You cannot stay in that state of nostalgia. Yeah. And if you can't it, then you need to switch. You need to switch your role in your world. So that's it. <laughs> Yay. Well, Lucy Bustamante, thank you for joining us and sharing all of your great stories and your advice. Tell us if people want to learn more about you or any of the great projects you're working on, yeah. where should we go? Okay, so go to NBCPhiladelphia.com black backslash the helping our heroes. That's our page right now where a lot of the stuff is aggregated or veterans work is aggregated. And then of course I'm on Twitter and all these other handles and um, we'll be launching some, some veterans projects uh, as we lead up to November 11th. And um, you know, you'll see our stuff under American vets and uh, joint investigations with other NBC stations. So our stuff is everywhere, but this is where I need you, Jason, a, uh, a place where we can more succinctly find all of this incredible content that um, we're all putting together. But yeah, NBC and, uh, and really just on Instagram and Twitter, Lucy Bustamante. Yay. Well, thank you, Lucy. Thank you so much for you and your family's uh, service. And it was so great talking to you. Great talking to you, my friend. Talk to you very soon. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Wow, what an awesome conversation with Lucy Bustamante, news anchor and journalist for NBC and Telemundo in Philadelphia. You know, I just love Lucy's energy and passion, and she has so much wisdom and career advice. What really stood out to me was her whole notion of not resting on your laurels. She really talked about you constantly have to evolve. And that's what I love about having a brand, right? Great brands always stay relevant and they always stay true to who they are. They don't let their heritage become something that anchors them down that they can never change. Instead, great brands leverage their heritage to adapt and evolve and add value in all of the new and future situations. 
So I want you to think about that for yourself. How are you staying true to yourself and evolving for the workforce of 2024? How are you taking everything that you are great at, the value that you bring, and adapting it for the new challenges and problems that are facing your clients and customers and the companies that we all work for in the next year? So I want you to simmer on that and be like Apple, right? Apple has evolved over time, yet they're still core to those things that people love them for. They look great, they operate with ease, and they connect across a system. So what is your system? What are your packaging rules that you can apply to next year's challenges? Well, that's our show for today. If you loved what you heard, make sure you're following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll bring you a brand new show each week. Now, check me out on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms, and especially connect or follow me on LinkedIn because I love to share tons of tips and tricks on how you can lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. And if you got a question, direct message me, and I'd be happy to cover it on one of our upcoming shows. Remember, we're celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month, so check us out at leadwithyourbrand.com slash Latinx for our full collection of Latinx voices. And most of all, and most importantly of all, in your career and in your life, don't be that boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure you are that super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.